The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Nine minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Forum at Eight. A lot of waste from hundreds of abandoned mines around South Africa is piled next to residential communities. Now, often such communities are unaware of the dangers of living in such places, even though many suffer from respiratory problems and others have even died from related diseases. A research study by the Benchmarks Foundation has revealed that millions of people are at risk of serious disease from dust blown off gold mine dumps in Soweto. The foundation sampled people in Deep Kloof and Snake Park and they will tell us more about that particular study. On the Forum at 8 this morning our question to you is how do mine dumps continue to impact on communities long after the mining companies have gone? You can call uh, uh, in on the number 891 SMS us on 34701 or you can tweet or Facebook your responses to AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina and joining us for the conversation this morning, um, the lead researcher at Benchmarks Foundation, David Van Veek. Thanks for speaking to us this morning, David. Good morning, Sakina, and thank you for having me on your show. Our pleasure. And um, we are also um, uh, trying, uh, well, we have him on now, Vumile Senene, who is the Director of Air Quality Management Services and responsible for the implementation of the department's air quality policies, strategies and regulations and plans. Thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Uh, Good morning, Sakina, and to your listeners. Now, David, let me start with you. If you could just uh, talk to us about um, uh, the study that you conducted and uh, the people sampled in Deepcliff and Snake Park and what that situation presented. Yes, um, we um, surveyed um, 107 households in Snake Park and 134 households in um, the Zone 3 and 4 um, of of. of, of um, of uh, Dipkloof, um, and we found that uh, in Dipkloof, 95% of households surveyed complained of respiratory problems, and in Snake Park, the figure was um, 57% who complained about respiratory problems. The other problems that we found were related to eye problems. Um, in the case of um, in the case of Dipkloof, it was 67% of households surveyed. And in the case of um, in the case of um, um, Snake Park, um, it was a similar figure. Um, it was a figure of of 76%. And then, of course, the other problem that was very common in both those areas is the problem of skin lesions and eczema. And with skin lesions and eczema, we found 45% of households surveyed in Snake Park, and the situation with regard to that in Dipkloof, we, we found um, uh, a situation of about 58%. David, did you find that uh, people were aware of the effects uh, of having to live next to those mine dumps? Were, were they any wiser as to why they did present with the sort of conditions that they did? Well, I think that there is an increasing awareness in these communities, um, and you know, 
the, the, the situation between August and October is particularly bad because of the amount of dust that blows into these communities. You must remember that um, Soweto is in a basin, and if you look at the, 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 the eastern border and then uh, all along the northern edge of Soweto, you have these old mine dumps all along the edge of the township. And, of course, you have um, winds blowing across them and blowing the dust into the communities. We were there last week when the dust was particularly bad. And uh, people really, really complained. They complained about keeping their houses clean, um, and they complained uh, about the, you know, the, the, the impact of the dust, uh, you know, the coughing, the itching eyes, the itching skin, and so on that result. And it, and it is particularly bad during those months that I, that I have just mentioned. David, has anyone taken responsibility uh, for what people are exposed to? Well, I think that I think that you know it's a legacy of apartheid that Soweto is located where it is, um, surrounded by these old mine dumps, some of the oldest mines uh, in Johannesburg. You know, it's it's interesting that if you look at the spatial arrangements of mine dumps and communities, it's hardly ever that you find a white community that's living next to a mine dump. It's always a case that you find townships and you know, especially coloured and black townships, where these these mine dumps are. Um, you know, and so it is a huge problem that, that, that confronts us as a society, but it is also a problem because we, are, we have not held accountable the corporations who are supposed to maintain those dumps. You know, the Chamber of Mines uh, during the apartheid era had a policy and they even had a fund for the maintenance of these dumps, but it seems as if that policy has disappeared. You know, it, it's Longer. It's no longer there, and a lot of these dumps are just left. And so also what you find is that the poorest of the poor very often find themselves actually building informal settlements very often on top of those dumps, which is also a huge problem. Did you find that people actually uh, did think about or, uh, you know, going after instituting uh, lawsuits against the mining companies or even government, for that matter, for what they are going well, through? Well, I think that, I think, I think that people, um, people have great difficulty, you know. It's very good to have a good human rights culture in the country and a very good constitution, but it's very difficult to, to, en- to enact that constitution and those rights if you do not know how to access the law and if you do not how- know how to organize yourself in order to deal with the particular issues. You know, um, I think that it's a problem that this government has inherited, but it is a problem that we, that we are going to have to deal with in one way or the other. Um, you know, for us at the Benchmarks Foundation, we believe that the corporations who used to own those dumps should be um, pursued, they should be investigated, and where, um, where they can be traced, um, they should be prosecuted, you know, for not, for not leaving the environment as they should. Um, one should also check whether those dumps and, and, and their previous owners actually have mine closure certificates that show that they closed those dumps properly and that those dumps... You see, this is the, this is the problem. Mining impacts for hundreds of years after mining finishes, and therefore we have to create a system whereby we hold the people who were responsible and owned those mines uh, to be accountable for the entire period until 
the impact is no longer there, you know, and so um, um, you have a situation where um, the the surfaces of these tailing stumps and mine dumps have not been maintained, and this then causes the dust problem that we are having. So really, I think everybody needs to sit down. We need to work out a plan um, together with government and communities, and of course the the previous owners and so on, because Benchmarks Foundation also believes that in the polluter pays principle. So we, we, we really want the polluters to be called to order, to be called to book, and to, to make them to pay, because it's an externalized cost to make the taxpayer pay for this uh, environmental mess that we find in Johannesburg. Mr. Vumile Sinene, uh, the obvious, uh, or at least the simple answer, it would seem, would be to either remove the people from the hazard or to remove the hazard from the people. But I would think that uh, policy-wise, perhaps that choice isn't that simple. Uh, absolutely, Sakina. I think uh, the bigger challenge that we have is that uh, historically this problem has been with us for quite a number of years. And uh, people have, in many ways, been settled, as David has said, around these areas which are not uh, environmentally acceptable for people to live in. And so the option of actually moving people out of those areas is definitely, at this point in time, a a no-no. However, the key thing for me, it it is really to, to manage the impact that we currently have. Um, we have seen some some mine dams being reclaimed in, in some of the areas. I can give an example of the River Lee area, where there has been a, a lot of work done uh, to remove those mine dams, and so there's been quite a lot of progress. And so at this point in time, like you said, it, it's really uh, not easy for us to be able to address these specific issues. However, I think uh, with the work of the department, as well as the Department of Mineral Resources, which is basically the custodian for the legislation that manages mines, we are working on on a plan to address the issues. So at this point in time, like I said, yes, there is some work that has been done on some of the dumps that uh, have been cleared, and that will, in the long term, provide a solution for us. At least the, the hazard is completely removed. Mm. Uh, but if one thinks about the fact that um, the hazardous nature of dust was already legislated for as far back as 1912, then if we come to 2015 and we look at what is happening, one has to ask quite a few questions about, for example, the issue that David clo- uh, touched on about mines being closed properly. Is that happening? And if not, why isn't it happening? Um, Sakina, that particular question will be best answered by the Department of Mineral Resources, the DMR, as their custodians on, on this one. But I think what David has highlighted is that at this point in time, there seems to be a, a loophole in the way the mine dumps are, are managed. So basically, if a facility or a mine has been given a certificate of closure, it does seem at this point in time that it does not really address long-term uh, impacts of the dump. So it may address them. Uh, in the short term, but I think what David was talking to is that it needs to then go beyond a particular period and go to a point whereby the impact is completely eliminated. So the issue that we currently have now with the abandoned mine dumps is that they may have been rehabilitated back then, but uh, now the impact is actually worse than it was before because some of the measures that we put into place have over time Sort of deteriorated, and so we have a situation now where there's increased impact, even though at the point 
at that time, they were given a certificate of closure. Um, and so it's something that uh, the department, as the custodian of the environment in which the people are, are, are living in, we would take up with our colleagues at, at the DMR to address that issue, to say that we do see this particular gap in the legislation and we need to address it. So what sort of efforts are being made to contain uh, the dust at this point? Um, I can sort of put the approach into, into, into two parts. Uh, Sakina. The first one is that for those existing mine dumps that are currently owned, um, those uh, have been uh, quite well managed, and, and I can use the example of the, the dumps around Deep Kloof, where there has been a, a, a concerted effort by the mine owners there to, to vegetate and put some nets on the, on the dumps themselves. Of course, during the, the windy periods, the, the problem becomes worse. However, there has been work done there. The bigger challenge that we face, and uh, David has covered that very well, is around the uh, uh, currently abandoned mines, where basically they have no owners right now. Um, and that is a bigger challenge that the government uh, needs to address. Well, you're listening to the Forum at 8 this morning. We are looking at uh, the effects of mine dumps on communities long after the mining companies have left. Perhaps you live in one such community. If you want to call and tell us about living um, with those effects, uh, we'd appreciate it. 891 SMS number 34701. Tweet of Facebook, AM Live on SAFM. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Thanks so much for tuning in. This morning we are asking how do mine dumps continue to impact on communities long after the mining companies have left? And so many questions to grapple with here. How do we ensure that profit making is not done at the expense of other interest groups? How do we ensure that those who are most negatively impacted upon are heard, that they are protected and accommodated within the business plan of corporations before they even go out to leave uh, uh, these legacies. So do let us know what your views are. We're in conversation with Vumile, uh, Vumile Senene, who is Director of Air Quality Management Services at the Department of Environmental Affairs. And uh, we also have um, uh, David uh, uh, David Van Veek from uh, Benchmark Foundation, who was the lead researcher on the study that we are focusing on this morning. Let's go to Woodendals. Yes, Eddie, good morning. Yes, ma'am, I'm from one of the towns in the Goldfields, and Oteras Race is one of them, where there was uh, the steel mining uh, operations, and also Allen Ridge, Virginia, and Ralcom. Let me tell you, there's only one thing that communities must do. You know, capitalists don't have ears to listen. The only thing that communities must do, they must just take a legal action against these mines. You go to an area called Bronzeville. When you pass there, I'm telling you, around August, it is worse. The dust does move, does move around the air. You know, that's why I'm saying this dialogue, we've been dialoguing for a long time. It is better for us to stop, dialogue, to, to stop the dialogue and start acting against these mine companies. You know, all the Americans, they moved out of, out of the gold fields and they left, you know, misery in our people. That's why I'm saying capitalists don't have ears. They need only people to act, to take action against them. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Eddie and Wittendals, let's go to Clarksdorp. Johannes, good morning. Uh, yes, uh, Sakina. Uh, I'm, so I'm one of somebody 
who uh, feel uh, a bit guilty because I worked with Anglo Gold for 35 years. There was a policy uh, to treat the slime dams. We call them slime dams. It is true to everybody who's complaining with the slime dams that uh, the that slime dam, that dust, when there's a village next to that dump, all those people with their lungs are going to be affected because it's a highly uh, intoxic uh, uh, dust which is uh, people inhaling. But the uh, policy and procedure of the mines, because like our people, we ran those mines for 35 years, and uh, like now they say something is missing, like Anglogold, those people of Anglogold, they, they don't have a problem to uh, can say how they treat the slime stems. We know that uh, there must be a plantation on top of the, those uh, slime dams. But now from the government side, they don't know how to approach the situation uh, so that uh, those slime dams must be, there they must be a plantation on top of those, those uh, old uh, slime dams. And that uh, last caller now, it is true what he's saying. And now what is not going to help us is to talk, uh, you know, to the end, not approaching Chamber of Might in Johannesburg, not necessarily, you know, like your, you uh, uh, people of uh, as, uh, Radio SA, you are doing most, uh, you know, important work so that uh, when there is a problem around uh, our places and then you make a... Uh, shows as we are talking now. Anglo Gold is not far. It is in here in Johannesburg, and the chairman of Anglo Gold people they are there, and uh, is to arrange some some like those people of environmental affairs which are sitting there. We run this mines. Somebody feels very guilty, Sakina, because to to attend this situation of the whole South Africa, and we must remember. Anglo Gold is the biggest company in the world. And uh, now there is a story that the Chinese are coming to run these mines. And if they don't have somebody who knows exactly how this situation should be approached, we will be running around. You got my phone numbers there. And then some, you can phone me in the private so that we must sort this story out, so that we must attend to this story. Sakina, I say thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Johannes in Clarksdorp. Uh, Eunice, you're calling from Johannesburg. Good morning. Sakina, interesting topic. Sakina, some years ago, we managed for, uh, to get uh, the uh, environmental affairs to vegetate one of the mines near FNB, where they managed to trace the owners there. Now, the problem, like one of your guests said, many of these mines uh, you know, they've been abandoned and they can't trace the owners. But I think city parks needs to come to the party here. They could vegetate the mines, you know, I mean, the, the tops, you know, plant lawn on them or trees or something. So, in other words, to get uh, the dust, I mean, so, to settle sort of, you know. But one of the communities that's highly affected by this is also the community of Rivoli. And, you know, I don't know if a survey was done, but, you know, knowing that area, you need to see the people, their prob- you know, levels of respiratory problems are excessively high there. And, Sakina, I don't know if you've driven also on the West Rand to, towards Kahiso mm-hmm. during August, September. Just, when it's, especially when it's windy, it's just clouds and clouds of 
dust there. So all those mines also, whether they are, the owners can be traced or can't be traced, I don't see why city parks can't plant lawn on them or something so to contain that dust there. And I'd like your guest comment on that. Absolutely. Thank Thanks. you so much, uh, Eunice. And we're coming up to news time. Um, I did say earlier that I actually took a picture. Um, it was in 2012 because I couldn't believe how terrible it was. And I, I took a picture. So I'm going to post that picture again because I think if you've never seen it, you actually do not realize how bad it actually gets. And this was on, um, I was driving on the N1 um, North and it was just after the Soweto Highway right next to those dumps there and I'm going to post that picture so you can have a look and if you have anything else that you also like to share do so with us uh, via Twitter or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM or you can use it um, on my personal account as well at Sakina Kamwendo The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them And the question we're grappling with this morning, how do mine dumps continue to impact on communities long after the mining companies have gone? And uh, we are speaking to uh, David van Veek, who was the lead uh, researcher on uh, our focus uh, study this morning at the Benchmarks Foundation. And we also have uh, Vumile Senene with us. He's the Director of Air Quality Management Services at the Department of Environmental Affairs. So, uh, uh, David, let me start with you uh, in response to the questions that were raised by our listeners there. But let me ask, how do we ameliorate the impacts that are already damaging people's health and their quality of life and possibly even shortening their lifespans? Well, I think that, first of all, um, we we need organized and well-informed communities. And to this end, the Benchmarks Foundation is working in 34 mining communities where we are training monitors through a monitoring school. And we've got about 140 monitors that we have trained over the last five years to be able to understand what these issues are, how to educate the population in those communities, how to advocate around the issues that uh, that is there with regard, with regard to the impact. I think that my mining companies, both those who have abandoned the mines and those who are currently remining those dumps, actually need to take the communities into their confidence and tell them exactly what the consequences of mine dust is. Uh, Furthermore, I would suggest that they engage communities, in fact, in the rehabilitation of those dumps so that it also becomes a a job creation opportunity for those communities. And I think the the, the final thing is that um, um, we, we actually do need to do a proper uh, epidemiological study across the country where there are mine dumps and communities to ascertain the extent of the problem. And ultimately also um, where there are corporate social responsibility officers of mining corporations who are remining or who are owning those dumps, um, you know, where, the, where they in their corporate social responsibility programs actually take into consideration measures to involve the community to mitigate impact. Um, let me um, say, for example, in Rivoli, we find a very large number of people living on oxygen machines. They can't breathe, especially during the dusty periods and so on. But with some of them, they have a real problem when there's load shedding from ESCOM because the oxygen machine shuts down and it can shut down for hours at a time person can actually die when that happens. If I was a social responsibility officer, I would offer to give those households at least um, a backup electricity so that their machines are working in the situation where, uh, where there are power. 
I also think that, you know, um, if we look at Deep Cliff and if we look at Snake Park and so on, where there are existing operations and so on, that the, that the, um, that the maintenance of those dumps are not done in a manner which is, uh, uh, you know, window dressing. You know, uh, let's, let's cover that side of the dump which is most visible to uh, the N1 traffic that passes there, but leaves the other side of the dump uh, on the Nasek Road close to the stadium completely uncovered. You know, that kind of thing doesn't work. You, you, we, we don't need to dress up this problem. We actually need to seriously uh, deal with the problem and, and deal with the, with the dump properly all round and not just uh, in a manner that will look good in our publicity, in our annual reports and so on. So uh, what do you say then to Eddie who says that he's tired of all the dialogues because all we seem to do is talk about these things? Um, well, I think the, the Benchmarks Foundation, um, 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 together with the Legal Resource Center and so on, where, where we find that there are cases of gross negligence and there are cases of breaches in the law, um, we won't hesitate to take people to court. And if, if there is need for class action against former owners and so on, we will pursue those things. You know, we, we, we absolutely agree with Eddie that, you know, in South Africa it's time to hold corporations accountable and in actual fact to take them to court if necessary. And in other cases, to withdraw licenses, um, to withdraw mining licenses and so on, where where people are just obstinately uh, breaking the environmental laws and and, and the constitutional rights of people to a healthy and safe environment. And then, um, uh, Vumile Sinene, let me ask you this. Um, uh, Johannes in Klerksdorp was saying that government doesn't seem to know how to approach this problem and what to do. Is that true? Because if not, uh, where are the dust suppression control systems? Why doesn't it seem to be effective? Um, I think, uh, Sakina, the, the problem is complicated by the fact that uh, we have, to a large extent, inherited a problem um, that uh, has developed over time. And so even with the legislation that was there in the past had not adequately addressed these issues. So what we have today is basically a situation whereby a lot of the dumps that currently are abandoned, even in their rehabilitation after the closure, probably would not have met our standards today. And Again, to try and address those issues and when there are no owners, it is a bit of a challenge. But what the department has done, and I think the government in general with the legislation update, is that going forward now we have tightened the regulatory framework and we are able now to set very strict criteria for mining companies that come into operation and what is to be expected. But also, Sakina, I think it is important to, to note that uh, the department has, over the last couple of years, promulgated a number of legislations that will address these issues. For example, we now have dust control regulations, which were promulgated uh, in November 2013, which basically now empower a municipality to require any person who generates dust, whether it's a mine or any other activity, to have dust suppression measures put into place. And so this has been a recent development that we believe will actually help municipalities and other spheres of government in addressing these particular issues. So our our take is that in terms of the law, companies and mining companies need to comply. That is a no debate. 
And that is the first part of call for us. We will require them to comply with the legislation. And I think to a large extent, and looking at the recent developments, there have been some improvements in, in, the, in that area. But I think, like I said, the bigger challenge is the numerous number of mine dumps that currently are without owners, and they are in a terrible state. They have not been kept. And this is where government, together with the communities and some of the mining companies, need to come on board and find solutions because it can't be just the government alone that will have to carry all the costs in terms of these mines. And, of course, we have, we have inherited the problem. So I would, I would concur with one of your callers who said, really, we need to find a solution. We all sit around the table and we propose a way forward, specifically around those particular dumps. Well, let's go back to the lines. 891 Frank Talk in Mangaung. Good morning. Sakina, I could be wrong. Um, you know, I thought in 1998 the government passed one of the most progressive legislation called the National Environmental Management Act of 1998. Now, if you read Section 28 of that uh, act, it imposes the duty of care with the retrospective, you know, effect. You know. So, so I don't know to, to what an extent have we failed um, to enforce that uh, piece of, of the provision of the act. Because, you know, I, I, I would want those mining companies to be responsible, not because... Not in terms of NEMOA, maybe there could be low poles in terms of the Waste Act, in terms of the Air Quality Act, but in terms of uh, the, the NEMA Section 28, which is a trumping uh, act above all other environmental acts, we should be acting in terms of that Section 28. Hold on there, let me get uh, Mr. Senene, and perhaps he knows about that. Mr. Senene? Um, so I'm kind of on, the, on, the, on, the, on that particular one. I think what we need to just remember, as I indicated earlier on, is that uh, the, the legislation that govern mines uh, rests with the DMR, the Department of Mineral Resources. And I am aware of the fact that in terms of the registry of mines and as to which mines are currently operating, which ones are abandoned, and the previous owners and so forth, they do have that information, and they will be able to provide a better answer than I can in terms of exactly how retrospectively they can be able to follow up on those particular mining companies that uh, have operated in South Africa in the past and now no longer exist. So I would not be able to provide better clarity than they would be able to do on this one. Well, thank you so much for that, uh, Frank. Talk. Let's go to. Uh, 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 sorry, David, you wanted to respond there. Yeah, yeah, Sakina, yes. I think that there is one of the problems that have just been pointed out. The problem is that the Department of Minerals exists to promote mining, so it should not be allowed to um, um, regulate environment in mining. It should be the function of the Department of the Environment, the Department of Water Affairs and so on. It is problematic to have a super department with a super law which allows uh, um, um, uh, that department to actually regulate the environment, labor, health, safety, everything else uh, for mining specifically when it is actually existing to promote mining. And so these things will then be of secondary importance. We should actually uh, change the mining legislation in South Africa so that relevant departments take control of those aspects of mining because every other business is subject to the environmental legislation of South Africa and the Department of Environmental Affairs. Mm. Why is it that mining, in terms of labor, in terms of the environment, in terms of water, etc., has the 
the special status in this country. And I think that that is one of the sources of the problem. That's a very good point. And um, also just I did share that picture and your responses. You know, people are saying it's shocking. It looks terrible. Absolute shocker. What are the chances of those people who inhale that on a daily basis? What are the chances that they will not die? Well, if I didn't take that picture myself... I wouldn't have believed that things can actually get that bad. Let's go to pensioner in Cape Town. Good morning. Uh, SK, uh, uh, four months ago, most of my people are in Soweto. Four months ago, I went there for the funeral. And uh, if you leave Soweto via East, uh, coming through Orlando East, and you're going to pass uh, by New Canada Station, uh, along the colored uh, township, township there, the mine dumps there, I saw a lot of trees. Someone spoke about the plantation to mm. move the dust. And I noticed that they've started planting trees from the bottom up once you go out through uh, Orlando East. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, their pensioner. Um, here's one from Eddie says, Greening projects should be supported. It is during this time that I remember two ex-ministers, Vali Musa and Ronnie Kazrols. Kaders are passionate about the environment. Can we instruct mining houses to fast-track rehabilitation processes, especially in the free state? We eat dust from Harmony Riches. Mining houses must be forced to build houses and relocate those. And this one from Eros um, Mohulazi, who says, what effect the mind dust has on me as in a patient i'm a patient of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and i live at snake park a granny in durban says sk our government members own some of these mines apartheid whites got rich and people are still suffering this one says capitalists don't uh have time to mind about the welfare of people and nature. They only think about profits. Another unsigned one says ANC has not maintained any safe environmental standards, including old mine dumps. Making this a racial issue is more sickening than the dumps themselves. Anonymous says a mines under uh, provide for rehab uh, because it impacts on income statement and DMR uh, poorly monitor rehab performances and provisions. Uh, Freddie's contribution, our government won't hold the companies responsible. They now have shares in these companies and they don't want to lose any profits. BV at Memel says, uh, like many other researches and discussions, this too won't help. Beneficiaries of mines are rich and they live in healthy suburbs. Illegal settlements must end. And Terence in Kimberley says, uh, Pescodia in Kimberley sit on diamond waste dumps and for years and the beers are doing nothing. Um, It's been there since uh, the apartheid era. Some of the um, uh, SMS messages coming through. Let's go back to the lines. Alistair is in Johannesburg. Good morning, Alistair. Good morning, Sakina, and uh, good morning to David, and thanks to Benchmarks for this wonderful work. Um, I'm actually a resident. I grew up in Reveille, and I remember um, us playing in runoff streams filled with cyanide. And, um, you know, the, the kinds of diseases, I think, that, that David has uh, alluded to, very rapid and very rife. So I, I do think it's high time that we have much stronger action and much stronger political will to tackle, to tackle these particular problems. I mean, the mind dumps is one very visible problem. But, for example, we also see now, right next to the valley, there's a huge um, 
reclamation process happening there is like an open cast mine uh, right next to a school, right on top of the community. So these things are just happening with, with impunity. Um, and I do think that, you know, it is time that we have very, very strong, stern action that, 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 that takes. I mean, regulations and all of that is fine. Dialogue we need to pursue. But at some point, you know, uh, these, these mining companies must begin to feel, to feel the, the pain. Thank you so much. And to take it yeah. Thanks, Alistair. Tolani uh, in Mtata, good morning. Hi, SK. I, I'm hoping that the Department of Minerals and Oil is listening on this topic, especially for the Eastern Cape in the Eastern Ponderland region where they are planning to open up or trying to approve the mining and all that, its consequences. Because I'm kind of concerned if that if the, mi- the mining companies are allowed to do as they please under the false pretense that they're going to be bringing uh, revenue to the country and to the community at the expense of the life expectancy of, uh, of the people that will live after those mines are no longer there. Thank you so much. Kolani Hassan Logat, good morning. Uh, Sikina, good morning. You know, the many callers, Alistair and others, have raised the issues about stronger regulation, and this is the problem. The DMR, uh, a super ministry in some way, and, and department, simply does not do its work. They are unaccountable to the, the larger public. They are more to be seen at cocktails of rich people and the CEOs. When we try to get them to come and talk to us, they're not available. So clearly, are they doing their regulatory work? And I think, Sakina, we need to have a special program to talk about what is effective regulation on the side of poor people who are vulnerable. I don't believe, you know, and, I, and I'm part of the benchmark team, but I don't believe personally that these guys cannot be found. And the second point is that uh, this is what is happening in Soweto is happening elsewhere. So what lessons are we learning? It's just, you know, and then the third point I wanted to try and discuss is... Um, what, what happens to these guys who are continuously learning, you know, uh, earning from this, from this uh, illness of others? Clearly, it can't be acceptable, you know. The ANC's last uh, election manifesto talks about uh, the polluter pays, so we need to just have stronger regulation. And we don't find any grievance mechanisms in the mining or, or, as it stands uh, currently. Communities are out of the script. They have no right to complain. They don't even get heard when policy is made, you know, and that's the trouble. Mm. Thank you so much, Hassan Logat. Uh, let me run through a few more messages before I get back to the panel. Uh, Tumodi Skotola says, uh, owners of mines don't even live in Africa, so their children and relatives are not affected by the dust. Uh, Pinda says, I live in Snake Park Extension 4, and it's just below uh, the Harmony Gold Mine, and they are about to close, and they have huge mine dumps uh, that they are going to leave behind. Brown Fisherville, Sloverville, and Snake Park is a disaster when the dust starts. And it must be mentioned as well that the Nyaope boys steal the pipes that were installed to supply water from those dumps. Uh, Jeff uh, says, uh, as we speak, they are busy digging the dump sites next to FNB Stadium. Kwanele Kati says, uh, mine dumps affect societies and motorists, and most of those global capitalists who benefit from those mines 
they've gone. Tebza Ian Mashiko says the government only gets interested when they generate tax income with these mines and when it shuts down, they look the other way. So that message of uh, more stringent um, uh, uh, regulation and enforcement coming through very strongly there, David. Yes, indeed. I think that I think that um, um, clearly people are becoming increasingly aware and, and increasingly demanding. And I think this is a good thing for democracy. It's a good thing for democracy when people speak out and they demand action from their government, because after all, a democratic government is supposed to be a government of the people. Um, you know, I also think that the issue of of pursuing uh, mining corporations, whether they whether they are no longer here or whether they are still here, uh, and ensuring that actually comply with regulations is very, very important. You know, the, it, is, it is not good enough to say we don't know who used to own a mine or those people are no longer here, you know, because then you give a message to foreign investors that they can come to South Africa, make a mess and then disappear and that there will be no consequences for them disappearing. Also with mine closure funds, we, we have realized that not sufficient funds are set aside for mine closure, and those funds very often do not take account of inflation. We also find that the mine, the mine, the mine funds are for all the operations of a corporation rather than for specific operations. You know, like some mining companies also have global social and labor plans for the entire province of Gauteng instead of by operation. We also find that mine reporting is problematic because it should be reporting specific to an operation and not global reporting for all the operations of the company put together so that specific communities know exactly what the consequences are for them. And then, um, Vumile Serena, how do we solve this dust problem? Listening to what everybody is saying, is there a way in which these dumps can be put to good use once and for all? Um, Sakina, there's been uh, many proposals to that uh, regard. Um, but as the Department of Environmental Affairs, what has been of concern to us has been the, their impact on the receiving environment and on the people living around them. And so currently what we have prioritized is the management of, of, of these dumps that are close to people, the dumps that have the highest impact. That is of priority for us. And so we have, through our workings with the Counting Provincial Department, which basically the Counting Province being the one that is most affected by um, the, the mine dumps, especially if you look at the number of people that are exposed to this dust, as well as the municipalities that are involved to try and find a solution, uh, but most importantly to, to implement the current legislation that we have, which is, is quite critical in any government and in any governance issue. So we need to, to make sure that our current legislation is being implemented. So that is our priority at this point in time, to really prioritize those mine dumps that have the most impact and find a way of, of managing it. So if those dumps are currently owned, the owners need to account for them and they need to manage them appropriately. And if then the mine dumps have no owners or they've been abandoned, what we have done this far is actually work with our colleagues at the GMR to, to find a solution. Like I said, they've got many uh, regulations that deal with these particular issues. And so as, as a form of intergovernmental working together, we are looking at finding a solution to that. But the key thing is to really prioritize which dams have the most impact 
and propose a solution as different dams with different status would need different um, interventions. Is it at all possible to remove these dumps altogether or will it just send more, even more dust into the air? Ultimately, Sakina, if we were to remove the mine dumps, that would be the, the best solution going forward because it permanently removes the problem, not only for dust but also for water issues that has, has well been mm. documented. Um, and so at this point in time, if I can use the example of, of, of the river lead dump that has been removed over time, um, it has had impacts that even with the dust suppression measures, because of the close proximity of, of the dump to a residential area, um, even the dust suppression measures would not be sufficient because of that close proximity. So the removal is actually the best solution. However, in, in the short term, there would be increased impacts on, on, the, on the people living around those areas. And, and I am aware that uh, some of the mining companies uh, have looked at uh, the reclamation process, but it, ca- it cannot be something that can be done overnight because to, to remove some of the dams can take years. And during that period of time, you need to account for the fact that there may be increased impacts uh, for the receiving uh, communities. So that is also part of the plan, but I think we need to weigh the options and tread carefully. We don't want to actually increase the impact of over time. And your parting shot for us, David? Well, I think, yes, if there is a recognition that there's going to be an increased impact in the process of removal or remining, then uh, surely in terms of social and labor plans, it is necessary to insist that mines then compensate those individuals who do become ill or at least take responsibility for the health of people who do become ill from the mining. You know, when people... uh, uh, um, get cancer or when they when they get respiratory diseases and so on or eye and skin skin problems as a result of these of these dumps, the mine, the mining company should be held accountable because that's an externalized cost to society for the public health system to actually carry the cost of people who are becoming ill because of an activity that is taking place in close proxim- proximity where they are living. You know, so I think that Ultimately, all the time what happens with, with, with government is that it, it, it exonerates the private sector and the private sector is not held to account. It is important to hold the private sector to account because, um, you know, it is, it is, it, uh, they, they do not only create jobs, but they also create costs to society and in this case immense health costs to communities and so on. And we must also remember that those are the communities that elect our government into power. It is not corporations that elect the government into power and therefore they need to be taken seriously when it comes to their health and the impact of industrial activity on their health. And that was David van Veek, a lead researcher at Benchmarks Foundation. We also had with us uh, Vumile Senene, who is a director in the Department of um, Quality Policy Strategies and Regulations and Plans at the Department of Environmental Affairs. And uh, thanks so much for all your messages. Wandi James says uh, rivers are filled with contaminated water, poisonous to humans, plants and animals. And our parting shot here, it's like negotiating with the cat not to please eat the milk. The mine dumps are after products of profit, of profit accumulation. That's all we have time for this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. Kumuzile Tabete standing by with your 9 o'clock news bulletin.